Hey everybody, hope you're having a good uh, Thursday afternoon. It's uh, a nice sunny day outside, a little cold, but uh, you know, hopefully you're able to enjoy the sunlight after the last few days of rain and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, anyways, you're not here for a weather report, you're here for a uh, review of our first test. Um, so remember the first test we take is going to be 35 questions. <clears throat> Your study guide has <clears throat> 24 questions. Uh, and that's because of the stimulus based stuff that's on there, the, the quotes and the charts and the graphs and, and the cartoons and things like that. So uh, just be prepared to read a little bit when you take this thing. Uh, it's not a great deal, but it is. There's not a lot of low level questions where, hey, what's federalism? Define it, you know, uh, so you have to understand a little bit. Uh, behind it. But if you know the definition of federalism, you're going to be in good shape. So uh, have your study get out if you want to uh, or whatever it is you're doing. And uh, let's run through this. Um, I'll try and move quickly so I'm not taking up too much of your time. Uh, all right. So question one is about federal, federal, let me restart there. Question one is about Fed 51. I won't try and say the word that I'm struggling with. Uh, and it says, what was the argument in Fed 51? So remember uh, from your, your discussion we did on this, Fed 51 was uh, the one that's about checks and balances and separation of powers. All right. Uh, there's that famous quote in there uh, about if, if uh, men were angels, there'd be no need for government and things like that. And then he gets into the, the fact that, hey, the government needs to be able to control people, but we're going to control the government with these checks and balances and the separation of power. So, you know, arguing for a strong national government, strong central government in this paper, uh, but also setting forth, this is how we're going to keep it reined in. This is how we're going to keep it under control through the separation of powers where one group, one branch is not going to have all the powers and um, the checks and balances that come with each branch, such as the veto power, the impeachment power, the advice and consent and those sorts of things. All righty. Uh, number two, and I said this in class, if you were paying attention, uh, the LBJ and federalism. Uh, I really struggled with a question to put onto this study guide, this review, because um, the question is just a, a quote from LBJ about schooling and things like that. You just have to take the stuff from there. Uh, you need to understand federalism, which is the, you know, the, the sharing of powers. The federal government has this thing they do. The states have this thing they do and they share, they intermix, those sorts of things. Um, yeah, I did a, a screencast with this. It's creative federalism for LBJ. He was really strict. You, states, you just do this. Don't ask questions, just get it done. Um, but to know that, I don't think it's going to matter for the, the test questions. Okay, there's a couple uh, from that quote. Number three, how do states feel about federal funding and federal oversight? We talked about this on Wednesday in class and with the, the fiscal federalism, the block grants, the categorical grants and things like that. Remember, states love federal funding. When the federal government is handing out dollar bills, states are happy because that means they don't have to dip into their own kind of personal funds. OK, um, and I like to use the, the college analogy you know, when you're in, in college. And maybe, you you know, I struggled like I had to work every day and all that kind of stuff. Not every, I didn't work every day, but you know, I was working through college. Um, and, you know, if I make a decision to go out to lunch or dinner, I have to dip in my own pocket. That's a big decision. OK. Uh, but then when parents came in and they say, hey, let's go out to eat. Oh, here we go. They're, they're going to foot the bill. So it's same thing with the, the federal government and the states. The states love it when the federal government is going to give them the money. And like we said, the biggest part of a state's budget is that federal money that they that they get um, from the federal government just in general. So uh, 
Federal funding, they like, especially they like those block grants, remember, that allows them to, to spend it a little more freely and with a little more of their control versus the categorical grants where it's really dictated this is what you got to spend it on. They still like getting the money. They just don't like the control that comes with it. And then the oversight, we didn't really talk about oversight too much, but I, I think you can understand this. Uh, the federal government is going to look over the shoulders of the states and make sure they're doing what they're supposed to, usually, typically. OK, uh, we, we've talked about the marijuana example where they're not really they're just watching to see if they can do that. So uh, but oversight, you know, the, the states don't really like it when the, the federal government is overwatching them and looking over their shoulder. Uh, but it states also kind of get in trouble sometimes when the federal government does not look over their shoulders. All right. Uh, OK, for number four, remember I, I told you about number four in class, the Fed 84. We don't talk about Fed 84 in this unit. Uh, in fact, we probably won't talk about Fed 84 at all, but part of the redesign that happened was that they're going to put questions on tests that don't come from the standards. So you've never been exposed to Fed 84, but they're going to have a question on it potentially. So they're going to give you and I'm going to give you the information you need and then you just answer the question. So we're not going to talk about it just because I still want it to be kind of a surprise. If you want to look up Fed 84, you're more than welcome to, but I think the question is going to give you enough detail, enough information to answer the question that you, as you need to. All right. All right. Number five, the Declaration of Independence, its origins and ideas behind the document. So remember those English philosophers that we talked about. Um, pretty simple. The Declaration of Independence comes from a lot of stuff that John Locke wrote, talked about, especially those natural rights. So the whole idea behind those life, liberty and in our case, the pursuit of happiness uh, is going to come from those natural rights. And, and the, the framers, not just Jefferson, but the framers in general, were big believers that every citizen has these natural rights, these God-given rights uh, that come with just being born, basically. Uh, and so that's one of the big things that's going to, to, to lead us to the Declaration of Independence, the writing of it. Anyways. You know, obviously, America wanted their independence from the British, and that's where it comes from. But they're going to spell out and explain, you know, Every person has these rights, and basically, you're you're not you're not allowing us to to go after and, and use and have these natural rights that we're, we're we all should have, and that's why we want to leave. And then they listed the grievances, like 35 grievances uh, of instances where natural rights are kind of being taken away. Uh, number six, quotes from Article One, Section A of the U.S. Constitution. These are some of those expressed powers. Remember, the expressed powers are those powers that are spelled out. So things like coining money, you know, declaring war, uh, items like that. Uh, as far as the, the test question, I think it's going to be directly from Article 8, I mean, uh, Article 1, Section 8, and you just have to pull the information from the passage that you get. Uh, all right, 7, 8, 9, I went over the types of questions. I didn't talk too much about the actual topics, which I'll do in this podcast. But just a reminder about the types of questions they're going to be. You're going to have columns. And so like number seven is about block grants and categorical grants. You'll have block grants in one column, categorical grants in the other. And you're looking for the row that has whatever information is in there that's true about both. of them. OK, so block grants does this categorical grants does that. OK, that's true. Both of those are right. So I'll make that my answer because the rest of them will be will be off in some way or wrong in some way. So that's how you're going to do it. All right. Remember, block grant. This is part of that fiscal federalism stuff we did on Wednesday. Fiscal federalism is going to be the I mean, not fiscal federalism, but block grants. That's going to be the, the, the money that the federal government gives that. I, I hesitate to say free, but it doesn't come with the strings attached. The states have the ability to spend it. Kind of how they see fit now. Sometimes block grants 
are going to a specific program. We talked about welfare, all right? Federal government turned the welfare program over to the states in 1996, right, with the Welfare Reform Act. Everybody remembers that from, from Wednesday. Um, and so the states still get federal money for that in the form of a block grant, but they can spend it within that program how they want to. So that's why there's so many differences between state to state and the welfare rules and program and things like that, all right? Um, but blood grants are they, they like these because they get to, they get to control and dictate where the money goes. So it gives them some power and some control. The categorical grants are different. Remember, these are the ones that come with strings attached. So you have to do something uh, with this money specific. Uh, you have to earn this money a specific way. Remember the project grants, the formula grants, and things like that. Um, so states don't like this as much because it takes away some of their control, some of their ability to spend the money how they want to. So you know. Here's money, but you got to spend it on this program, this program only, and it's going to be run this way. Unlike the, the welfare, where they're allowed to spend it on welfare, but spend it how they want to on welfare and divvy it up how they want to. Okay. Um, number eight, the weaknesses of the articles and the constitutional responses. So this is something we did a long time ago, it feels like. You know, January, we started on January 5th or so, and we did this like on January 8th. So it's been uh, a while back that we did it. But remember, you looked at the, the articles, you had the, 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 the kind of the, the breakdown of the articles, and you had to go through and list what you thought were the weaknesses. So on this question, what you're going to, have to do is look at some of the weaknesses. Hey, no executive, uh, no taxes, no military, uh, no ability to control trade and things like that. And then what was the response in the Constitution? So you're going to, have to sort that part out. Uh, here's a weakness. And yes, that was a response in the Constitution. So there's no no president, there's no king, there's no executive branch under the Articles of Confederation. The response was, let's have an executive branch. Let's have a single leader that people can look to. There's the response. You have to match that kind of up in this question where it is the column question. Uh, and then the Federalists versus the Anti-Federalists. Remember, the Federalists were for uh, larger government, strong central government taking power away from the states. The Federalists tended to be the more elite, uh, for lack of a better way of saying it. Uh, the Anti-Federalists, they were for the states' rights. They wanted a weaker central government, a stronger state government with more control. They tended to be the, the farmers and the group like that. All right. Uh, and once again, it's going to be a question where here's the Federalist thing, here's the Anti-Federalist. Okay, both of those are correct. That's my answer. All right, number 10, Shays' Rebellion and its effect on the articles. Uh, I always hesitate to put Shays' Rebellion on tests, but it, it seems to pop up on AP Gov tests all the time. I don't know why they love it so much. Uh, it drives me nuts because people knew that this thing was weak before Shays' Rebellion, but and I guess it's just a habit that we've fallen into that we use Shays' Rebellion. Well, that's the, the time that people knew that it was weak. Uh, they knew it was weak before that. Shays' Rebellion is just what we point to. It's the national event that we are able to point to. So this was the rebellion that happened in, in Massachusetts where Daniel Shays is going to rebel. Massachusetts asks the central government for help. The central government in turn asks other states for help. No one shows up. And so this, you know, shows, well, we need to really fix that articles. And so they plan a meeting up. No one shows up at that meeting. And then they plan another meeting and people finally show up to rewrite the articles, remember. The Constitutional Convention did not start off as the Constitutional Convention. It started off as, hey, let's rewrite this thing. Let's rewrite this document. And then it turned into the Constitutional Convention. So the Shades Rebellion is just, it shows the weaknesses, for lack of a better way of saying it. All right, explain separation of powers and checks and balances. So people get these confused all the time. They want to combine the two or just make them the same thing. Or, or I'm not sure what people 
want to do. But remember, separation of power is that idea that we don't want one person or one branch, in our case, to have all the powers. We don't want them to be able to write laws, enforce laws, and, and judge laws. That's just not what we want. So instead, we separate them out. We have the legislative branch, we have the executive branch, we have the judicial branch. So we separate those powers out. Okay. To keep watch on them, we have checks and balances. So to make sure that the executive branch is not getting too powerful, we have a legislative branch that can impeach the president. Okay. We have a judicial branch, which is going to judge the laws and decide, hey, is that thing that the legislative branch passed and the president signed, is it constitutional? So separation of powers is one thing, checks and balances is another. They kind of correlate to each other because they, they get mixed in together, but they are very different. So separation of powers, we don't want one person, one branch to have all the powers. And, it's, and instead, we, we separate them out, thus the separation of powers. And then we are going to uh, have checks and balances within those to make sure that it's like the watchdog function. They can watch each other. All right. Uh, concurrent powers, pretty simple. Those are powers that states and federal government share, taxing, uh, enforcing laws, looking out for our welfare, all those kinds of things. So those are concurrent powers. All right, the 10th Amendment, what does it do? So uh, the 9th and 10th are similar. The 9th deals with citizens, the 10th deals with states. Uh, basically, what the 10th Amendment says and ensures is that as long as the Constitution doesn't specifically deny states something, then it's going to be left to the states to do. So, you know, rules, regulations, powers, things like that. As long as the Constitution doesn't specifically take it away from the states, we're going to give the states some leeway there to do kind of what they want to. So the Constitution specifically says the only people that will coin money is the National Congress. So states can't coin money. That's taken away from them. There's nothing they can argue in the Tenth Amendment about that. All right. Um, but you know, how you run your schools. That's not specified anywhere. So it's left to the states to do how they see fit. And that's why there's so much difference in, in schooling around the country. Federalism, pretty simple concept, uh, just shared power. Governments share power and responsibility over us. Um, you know, we have multiple governments. I'm not going to go through all of the, the list, but yeah, there, there you go. It's the sharing of powers between the different governments over us. All right, 15, how could Congress make changes to the driving age? All right. So the question on the test is going to be a scenario. It's going to obviously be this, this scenario. Congress going to be a little more detailed than this, but Congress wants to change the dr drinking age. I mean, uh, driving age. Excuse me. Now, that's a state thing that the state gets to control um, the, the the driving age. And right now it's it's 16. I don't, I don't know of anywhere that it's not 16. But anyways, uh, so how could the federal government, Congress specifically, encourage a state or states to change the, their driving age. And this goes back to that drinking age and road money. Same deal. The federal government, the Congress could potentially say, hey, we have this money here. We're going to give it to you as long as your driving age is this, this age. If not, we're going to take it away. So that the manipulation with the money is the answer you're looking for there. All right, Wisconsin versus Yoder. This is one of those cases uh, that you had to know. I really struggled with how many cases do I want to put on this test. I always struggle with that. Uh, I limited it to just one of the required cases just because we talked about so many of them. I didn't, I didn't want to get you confused and messed up trying to remember all these cases with the first test. 
eventually, you know, you will need to know all the required cases. But I did end up deciding just to put this one. I think it's just the one uh, on here. And it's Wisconsin versus Yoder. It's a free exercise case. All right. So just so you remember, the First Amendment does five things. Religion, press, speech, assembly, petition. OK, within religion, there's two clauses you got to know: the establishment clause and the free exercise clause. The establishment clause deals with the separation of church and state. So there will never be a, a state sponsored religion in America. Uh, free exercise allows us to kind of worship how we want to. So you can go be whatever religion you want to be or you can be no religion. No, but doesn't matter. OK. Um, and in this case. A religion, in this case, the, the Amish are going to question a state law and how it is taking away their free exercise. Okay, it's, it, it, the, the, the law in place is infringing upon their right to, to worship how they want to, if that makes sense to you. So the Amish wanted to pull their kids out of school after eighth grade. All right. And Wisconsin law at the time said they had to go through 10th grade. And so there's the problem. And so the Amish are going to sue based on that. Um, and it goes to the Supreme Court eventually. And the Supreme Court is going to rule in favor of the Amish and say, yes, that state law is taken away from their free exercise of religion. And so that that's it, it overturned that state law. So that's it. OK, uh, the philosophers, I went over this the day we, we went over the slide. I said that you just have to know these philosophers and their ideas. So real quick, Montesquieu is the separation of powers guy. Locke is the natural rights guy. Voltaire was free speech and free religion guy. And then, sorry, something's in my eye real quick. Um, and then Hobbes is going to be social contract, limited government, uh, those things. Okay, social contract theory, uh, which he, him and Locke kind of, they weren't contemporaries, but they kind of worked on it together. Uh, Three-fifths compromise. Okay, so at the Constitutional Convention, the problem was slavery and representation. All right, so population was going to determine how much a state had a representation, so much power they had, also how much taxes they were going to have to pay to the, the federal government, this new government. So the South and the North both wanted slaves to count one way but not the other. South wanted them to count for representation purposes but not for tax purposes because they didn't want to pay as much money. North wanted them to, to count for tax purposes but not for representation purposes. So obviously there's a lot more fighting than it. We're going to make it seem like, hey, boom, three-fifths compromise, we're done. It took a while to get to this point, but they eventually decided on the three-fifths compromise, which says that we'll count three-fifths of the population, the slave population, as population, and let them count toward taxes and representation. All right, the theories, uh, pluralist, elite, class, and hyperpluralism. Uh, and, you know, I, I just realized that I, I probably left off participatory democracy in this thing. Uh, it's one of the things we'll come back to later, but you do need to know it. But I'm not going to talk about it here because it's not on the test, I guess. Uh, all right, so these are the theories. Pluralist theory, remember, deals with groups and factions and how the government has all these groups and factions that uh, are competing for the government's interests. Uh, I mean, uh, competing with the or for the government to meet their interests, uh, competing for access points to the government. And the good thing about pluralist theory is that they all kind of keep each other in check and no one group is allowed to become too powerful uh, and get too much into the government and get done what they want done and all that kind of stuff. Now, this is an interesting theory to talk about today because I don't know if you saw the GameStop stuff going on, the uh, the stocks, the, the Reddit group that's trying to, to combat the, uh, the hedge fund group. If you'll remind me in class next week, we'll try and talk about it because it's pretty interesting. Uh, and you know, maybe from your macro days, you kind of understand what's going on, maybe. 
Um, but, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see because some, like there's a, a, an app called Robinhood that does stocks, but they put a stop to trading for everyday traders like myself. I, I went in there, I have an account and I was trying to, to I was going to look, I, 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 I'm, you know, stock, game stock had gotten so expensive. There's no way I could have bought it, but I wanted to look to see what it was doing. And they had a message. You can't buy it because they cut off because it's so volatile right now. Well, is that legal? Because they're letting other people do it. Other people can, you know, hedge groups can go do it. Uh, anyways, I'm getting off on a tangent here. Uh, the, what I was getting at, though, is, is the government going to try and cater to these hedge fund people who are now saying that's that's not fair. They can't do that, even though they do the same thing. And it's OK when they're making money, but it's not OK when Reddit's making money. So it, it's a weird thing. We, we can talk about it more next week. All right. Elite and class theory. <clears throat> this is where, hey, there's a group of, a group of people, a small group of people almost like an oligarchy that's running things. That's pretty, pretty much what it is. Okay. Uh, and if you ask a lot of people probably today, this is probably what they point to. Hey, yeah, we're, we're, we live in an elite class theory. There's a small group up there in DC making decisions for us. And then hyperpluralism, remember that is where uh, the groups, there's too many groups and the government's trying to make everybody happy and they can't do it. It's impossible to make everybody happy. <clears throat> and, uh, they do something for this group over here. This group's unhappy, so now they have to do something for that group, and it counteracts each other. So it's, it doesn't work. <clears throat> Sorry. Just real quick, uh, participatory democracy. Just remember that's pretty simple. It's just there wouldn't be representatives. We'd be, we would be making decisions. We, it'd be me and you as citizens making the decisions and taking more of an active role. All right. Confederation and unitary. Pretty simple. Unitary is what we came from. You know, the British system where, hey, here's the king, the parliament. They're going to tell the colonies what to do. We left that. We went to the confederation system where now the states are going to tell the central government what to do. So that's the big difference between those two is just uh, small government telling the big government what to do versus and vice versa. All right. Dual and cooperative federalism. This was from Wednesday, uh, Tuesday's screencast. So be sure you take a look at that if I don't explain it well enough here. Uh, dual is the layer cake. Cooperative is the marble cake. Dual federalism is where the two governments, state and national government, stay kind of apart from each other. They don't mess with each other's stuff. The state government deals with education. The federal government kind of stays out of it. The federal government deals with the military. The state government stays out of it. They stay in their own little lane. Okay. Cooperative federalism, this is where they're going to mix and match. They're going to be uh, that marble cake that was in the, the PowerPoint that we looked at. Um, and they're going to share responsibilities. They're going to share all that kind of stuff and, and just work together a little more seamlessly. Uh, you might not know who you're talking to, federal or state guy. The formal amendment process, this is what you wrote your FRQ on. Please, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, and I need to do that FRQ, get it done. It closes at 1145 uh, p.m. on Thursday the 28th, and it's not opening it back up. Okay, so you need to get that done if you have not done so yet. But this is what you wrote your FRQ on. Also, if you're thinking, I got an NTI, but I wrote that thing. What's that guy doing? Well, you probably have it as in progress. You haven't submitted it correctly yet. So be sure you're getting that stuff done. If you can't figure it out, text me, remind me, whatever you need to do, and let's figure it out. All right, the formal amendment process. Remember, there are, are, are there's a national step and a state step. Uh, the national step, there's two things you can do. Either Congress itself can propose an amendment and anybody in Congress can propose it. It doesn't matter if it's House or Senate. Anybody can do it. They'll talk about it, debate about it. Two thirds of them approve it. And that's very specific. Two thirds of both sides, House and Congress. If two thirds of them uh, are OK with it, then it goes on to the next step. Or we could have a national convention. 
But why have a national convention where two thirds of the delegates are going to vote on it when we already have basically a, a national convention in Congress? So we don't really need to do that. We don't do that. Okay. Once Congress has proposed it and then uh, approved it, it goes to the states. It goes to the states for ratification and final approval. So the states legislature, so people down in Atlanta, they would get it, talk about it, debate about it, and vote on it. If they say yes, that's a yes from Georgia. If 38 states or three-fourths of the states say yes, then it's a go. It's good to go. Remember, the president is not involved in this. He does not get to veto it. He cannot introduce it. And then the Supreme Court cannot judge it. They don't get to declare this unconstitutional. All right? They do not get to declare it unconstitutional. Uh, Bill of Rights, be familiar with the amendments. I'm not going to go through all 10 amendments. First off, I'm running short on time. And as much as I would love to talk about all of them, uh, just be familiar with them, okay, uh, and, and what they do. The First Amendment, we already said, has those five pieces to it, freedom of press, speech, religion, uh, assembly, and the petition. The Second Amendment is the uh, guns. You have the right to bear arms. Third is quartering act. Fourth is search and seizure. Fifth, sixth, and seventh all deal with the rights of the accused in some form or another. The Eighth Amendment is cruel and unusual punishment. The Ninth gives citizens the right to do things that aren't spelled out in the Constitution. The Tenth Amendment we already talked about. So just be sure you, you kind of gloss over those a little bit. And then finally, the clauses of the Constitution, necessary and proper establishment, free exercise. We've already talked about the establishment and the free exercise, so I'm not going to go back over those two. The necessary and proper clause real quick, real quick is the ability of Congress to kind of read and interpret this. Uh, it's tied to the implied powers. It's tied to the McCullough versus Maryland case, where just because it doesn't say it in the Constitution doesn't mean they can't do it. All right. So it's necessary and proper clauses in the Constitution. It says that Congress is allowed to expand their powers a little bit as long as they're doing stuff that's legal. Okay. They're allowed to expand their powers a little bit and interpret the Constitution, imply things are there in the Constitution and get stuff done. All right. There it is. Once again, take the test tomorrow sometime if you're a Zoomer. Take it when you're ready and prepared. You don't have to come into Zoom unless you want to. I'll be on Zoom if you have questions or concerns before you take the test. Uh, but get it done. I will grade it as it comes in and put a grade in the grade book for it. Uh, and then I will uh, put an NTI in on Monday morning. Okay. Uh, don't forget to do your blog if you haven't done so yet. Get it done. If you haven't done your MOCA, get it done. If you haven't done your FRQ, get it done. Quiz, whatever. Get stuff done. All right. Stop having zeros in the grade book. All right, guys, uh, hit me up. I'll remind if you need to question uh, anything I've talked about, email, whatever. Uh, I'll respond up till about 1030 tonight. All right, guys, take care and I'll see you when I see you later.